So welcome back to another sparkling edition of Thought Police. We weren't here last week because no. you weren't feeling very well, which is fair enough, right? Yeah. Because you can't be well all the time. No. Um, but I have to say, you know, my advice to you was what? Yeah, well, you said, you just said, just drug yourself up and get through it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Well, you said you didn't sound good as well, which actually yeah. is not good. I mean, I, you do sound kind of croaky. I could barely talk, but it was yeah. kind of, it was a really heavy, horrible, sweaty mm. chest thing. Yeah, no, listen, it's all, sometimes it's, the best thing is just to take a bit of time yeah. off. I, I had to do a couple of uh, breakfast shows last week because Julie Hart Drew was away. Ah. Unfortunately, I didn't find out I was doing the first one until I was already out at mm. a party. For Paul Henderson. Oh, yeah. Is he retired from the marriage? No, he hasn't retired, but he was celebrating, believe it or not, 50 years of working in journalism. Because he must have started. What did you start? He was seven or something. Yeah. Apparently he started when he was about 15. Really? Is he 65 now? Well, he must be something like that. He's a terrific guy. He's a great guy. And he's now kind of deputy editor of the the Daily Mirror, I think. It's hard for me to follow. Brilliant guy. I saw a lot of your old mates. Lloyd Emily was there. Oh, yeah. You know, Chris Hughes was there. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw Nick Parker from The Sun. Yeah. You know, a whole bunch of people I hadn't seen. Richard Kaye from The Mail. Great. It was a great night, right? Where was it? It was at the Oyster Shed, which is this very big pub just on the north side of uh, London Bridge. Right. Which is it's great in the summer because you can stand outside yeah. and uh, you know just gaze at the beautiful views. Yeah. But this was a horrible wet sort of awesome night. Yeah, they had a private room upstairs, quite loud room. Right. And I'd said, okay, right. Well, I've got to go out. I can't not go to this because I because I don't see those guys very often. You know, it's not like yeah. we used to see them every day. So I'd already kind of committed to going, and it was such a good do that I, despite promising myself that I'd leave at 10 o'clock, in the end, I didn't leave till about 11. And of course, that yeah. loud room shouting, yeah. you know, managed to I get can't to stand that anymore. I, you know, well, like, no. I don't know if it's my ears or my age or whatever, mm. but, you know, a room that's echoey, yeah. and I just can't be But there. you can't help it, though, if yeah. you're talking to people and you're sort of shouting, because yeah. you can't, you know, they can't hear you, you can't hear them. That's right. Um, and uh, there were some very funny stories told, a couple of very funny speeches, um, and I got home, managed to get to bed for about, Midnight, right? Which was not bad, but I'm up at five to yeah. go and do the breakfast show. Oh my god! And, and half cuss as well at midnight. Well, yeah. yeah. And I noticed that my voice wasn't great, you know. So my kids were telling me that you know I didn't sound very well. Just as well, it was only Julia Hartley Brewer you were filling. Well, in that's not very nice to didn't say. Didn't have to turn too many she's a very brain fine cells woman. Yeah. No, but I mean, sadly, I had to operate as the you know the meister of all that was, that was yeah. around me, right? So I managed to get through it. But I was a lot better the next day. Does someone fill in for you then? Yeah, yeah. Then, believe it or not, they get a Remainer to fill in for me. Do they? A guy called Christo. So I then get loads of shit from the listeners. Right. Going, Why have you let this happen? I'm like, I'm not in charge of the station. Yeah. You know, I don't decide to do breakfast. I get asked to do it. <laughs> you know, I don't always have a choice as to who fills in for me. And then they said, and just to throw it, make it all fucking worse... There's no Thought Police podcast either, you tough twats. So I was, getting, I was taking all the flack for you, effectively, uh, throwing a sick. It's good they care. It, they do care. Yeah. So here we are again. Yeah. The other thing that somebody pointed out, because I put a tweet out over the weekend saying, we're back this week. And somebody said, well, just as well, nothing's changed. Because actually, know, hasn't. Mate, honestly. we could have done two podcasts last week and we'd still be doing the uh, same this week. We were just, I was just making a cup of coffee for myself yeah. with you downstairs in my kitchen and just saying that since I quit editing The New European... Mm. And so I haven't had that kind of really proactive yeah. involvement. You're still doing the covers, it. though, you said, right? Yeah, so I'm still involved in the covers, yeah. but... But you're not commissioning stuff. I'm not. That. So Jasper Copping, the new editor, is doing all right. of that. And, you know, I've got other stuff I need to get on with now. Yeah. So 
Um, but I have to say, now that I haven't got that imperative, it's it's doing my head yeah. now all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, because really if you're is. no longer immersed in it, yeah. it's probably quite far removed from what and you mate, want to be doing. God knows, I don't mean to be condescending yeah. now, but God knows what it what it must be like if you've got an ordinary job yeah. out in the country, you know, oh, where, know, where this isn't part of your job no. to think about it. Well, exactly right, and and also just kind of you know being bombarded with all this stuff all yeah. the time on the news. I mean, I now just put the news off. Mm. Actually, did you see Sky doing a channel without Brexit on it? I, I saw hope. that, but unfortunately for them, it wasn't the greatest week to do it. I mean, no. this week probably would have been better. The week yeah. they launched it was the week that Boris got the deal. What do you think about that? I sort of initially thought that's terrible because I mm. thought, you know, the news is the news yeah. and it's not entertainment, or right. it shouldn't be. No. I mean, it, you can make the news entertaining, yeah, yeah. but it's still the news. Right. And I don't think like news providers should say, we know you think this is really boring. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's incredibly important, right. but we're just going to not talk yeah. to you about it. I don't think it's a great idea, to be honest, no. but I don't think Sky have had any good ideas for quite a long time. Giving Kay Burley her own show was good. Uh, well, she's had her own show for ages. I mean, in the morning. Why is that, give, though? Who's, I mean, give her a bigger audience, that? I think. Is that, is that, do they want to get a bigger audience? Because yeah, I, I really so. like Sarah Jane Me. I think she's great. Yeah, no, she is And great. I must say, I'm more likely now to watch... Sarah Jane Me because I would watch the Kate Burley show in the afternoon because right. I don't really I mean it's on in the morning in the office but I'm not, yeah. I'm not listening to it um, so I'm now watching Sarah Jane Me more right. than I was Kate Burley I, I like really Kate. like, I mean, I really like her Kate's great fun yeah. very professional yeah. um, doesn't take any shit from anyone but great quite, great line of questioning I mm. think you know she does a terrific interview it's, it's a shame I don't think she often gets the opportunity to mm. really weigh in uh, yeah. as, a, as a you know a serious interview there's always something slightly mm, you know, slightly tangential about the way she is given somebody to Well, the difficulty you know. with the shows that they now do on Sky is that, you know, it's not really the Kate Burley show. No. It's the news. Yeah, with and, bits of you know, Kate Burley in between. And Kate Burley yeah. is presenting it. Yeah. So it's not really her show. No. What it is, is Kate Burley presenting the news. I'd love to see her do something like the Mar programme. Which would, I know, I, yeah. but, but the, again, the, the woman who does it on but Sky got Sophie Ridge for is, that. is very, very good. She once got very upset with me because uh, Sophie Ridge, before she was um, Sophie Ridge, the sort of political presenter, yeah. but was the political, I guess, correspondent or something. Yeah. And Kay was, um, must have been on uh, in the anchoring at the desk. Yeah. And they were talking to each other. And I sort of gently and only mildly suggested that it was quite interesting watching these two women going at it with each other. Yeah. Because clearly there was a bit of rivalry going on, right? <laughs> and she immediately just put me to bed and went, you know, forget about that. Some middle-aged bloke, you know, having to go at two women talking about exactly, politics. You know? yeah. Which wasn't actually true. It's very funny. And I, yeah. and I mean, every time I see her, she's always up for a punch-up, you know. Yeah. And, uh, good. But in a good way. Yeah. You know, in a Did way you see that... Uh... That Peter, did you hear that Peter Oborn interview with that Amal Rajan? Well, I didn't Maybe hear too. about it, but I mean, I didn't hear it, but I've heard, oh, I've heard of it. I saw Adam Bolton wrote this ridiculous piece. I, I mean, Adam Bolton, I'd have to say, is yeah. not entirely neutral. I think I don't think that's a particularly controversial thing to say. No, I think you're right. Um, and the idea that uh, that anyone from Sky swallowed Boris Johnson's. Um, uh, you know, mantra. It's absolutely not so bollocks. Yeah, because you see Lewis Goodall, yeah. who used to be a think, he's not even a proper journalist, he used to be in a think tank. Yeah. Adam Bolton, uh, you know, who's married, I believe, to Angie Hunter, is, the yeah. Labour MP, former yeah. cabinet minister, friend of Tony Blair's. I mean, these are yeah. not exactly no. guys on the side of Lee. And, and certainly, Adam Bolton is not a swallow all. Uh, I know. You know, what did uh, Oborn use the phrase? Client journalist. Yeah. But it's, you've got to listen to it because it is. Amol, I mean, for disclosure, is a friend of mine. Yes, uh, no, I like Amol Raj. Very, very nice guy. Yeah. Um, started out on the Matthew Wright show, actually, yes. as a runner, I think. But really? anyway, okay. yeah, and then went became mm. the editor of The Independent yes. and is now the BBC's media correspondent. Yeah. But he fills in for Jeremy Vine on Radio 2 oh, now and again. Okay. And so he's got, 
Yes, I'm sure Ramold does it. I'm not casting aspersions on Ed Bill, yeah, but I'm, I'm not, not sure. listening to that. Show. I'm not sure I could listen <laughs> no, to that no. for ten minutes. Never mind three hours. No. But Amol um, invites Oborn on to yes. discuss this piece he's written right. about how lobby journalists, parliamentary journalists, have just become mm. like ciphers for yeah. the government, you know, and are just right. repeating stuff. Which I have to say is pretty good coming from Peter Oborn. Yeah, you know exactly, exactly. He's the guy who, when I used to work on the Sunday Express, right? Yeah, he was the sort of lieutenant to a guy called Simon Walters, who was oh, a yeah. letter, who's brilliant, right? Yeah. Formerly of the Sun, found himself at the uh, Sunday Express. Always very well connected guy. He's now, I believe, um, the sort of number three on the Daily Mail because right. he got hired across to, to be there. Yeah. Um, from the Mail on Sunday, and the two of them used to be like Pinky and Perky. They'd basically walk around the office <laughs> on a Saturday, and in the morning conference at Saturday morning about eleven o'clock, they'd come up with a sort of v- vaguely interesting political story yeah. for a splash, right? And depending on who was editing the paper. It would either be on page one or you'd go, no, nah, not really. You know, I was a night editor yeah. at the time. And sure as fate, if they knew that they weren't, they weren't going to get on page one, about two o'clock-ish, right, they'd come back with a slightly better story, <laughs> right, with a bit more nuance to it, a bit more Great kind quotes, of yeah. better, yeah. better names. A better you know, inside source. Slightly said. better <laughs> source, yeah. yeah. And if you kind of went, yeah, by afternoon conference, if that clearly wasn't a splash, by five o'clock, they'd have an even better story. Yeah. And this went on every yeah. single Saturday. Is that right? Every but, single Saturday. Yeah. And quite a lot of it was, was punts from Oborn. Yeah. And you could tell that, you know, behind the scenes, they were calling people, trying to get yeah. stories here, there and everywhere. And Oborn, of course, famously, once said to me, fantastic news. And we were having lunch with, it was him and me and the editor, Richard Addis of The Express. Fantastic news from the youngest off to boarding school. You've got about seven kids, right? <laughs> Sends them all to boarding school. What's the, term, <laughs> what's the point of having them then? Yeah. He said, well, you've got to have children, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to have them. But he had no real, be around no interest in dealing with them at all. Well, you, mate, he's honestly, more than happy to send them all away. And, yeah. you know, that's his thing. So he's, he's left the uh, his column on, on the mail. And yes, he now writes for some obscure... <laughs> open democracy of, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, is it not some kind of Arab-related thing? As well, uh, I'm not sure what their well. background is, but Open Democracy, I know the people there. And it's quite. they seem like they're quite a good stand-up yeah. sort of general thing, fighting for press freedom and all of that business. But Amol mm. uh, is interviewing him, and, yeah. and Oborn starts tearing into uh, Tim Shipman, right? Right. who he doesn't name. Right. Tim Shipman, the political editor of the Sunday Times. Times. Yeah. Who but, I've known for years. Yeah, who seems like... Also a very good guy. Very good guy, and, yeah. and a brilliant journalist. Mm. Now, I've never met him, but we've had a, you know interactions on he Twitter. He certainly can't accuse the Times and the Sunday Times no. of being pro-government. Exactly. They're so, really not. So Amol says to him... Uh, Oborn says, well, I'm not going to name him. And, and Anmol says, well, I'm going to name him. It's Tim Shipman. Yeah. Right? And not only am I naming him, but I've got a quote from him. Yeah. And Tim Shipman comes on and they voice over this thing. Right. And then uh, Oborn starts to lose the plot completely and just slag everybody off. Anmol co- keeps saying, but have you got any evidence yeah. for any of this? Right. Not with me, no, but no. I've got stacks of stacks right. of stuff at her. Right. I mean, and then he be, said, at the very best, he would be described as eccentric. Yeah, right? but he says to Amal Rajan, he said, and you, by the way, mm. oh, this is Oborn to yeah. Amal, you're no better, you're one of these client journalists, right. you're a, what was the word he used? Um, oh, some terrible condescending yeah. word about, you know, basically a, you're a slave a to, a, something, something yeah. like this. Yeah. And Amal's going... Where, where is all your evidence no. for this? Oh, I'm going to oh. And it just went on and on. But it, it is the most extraordinary... I mean, he does paint himself, Peter Oborn, probably correctly as a sort of independent voice. Yeah. Because in the midst of all of the whole Brexit scenario, yeah. right, he suddenly flipped his, his, his opinion and he wrote a piece for that same outfit. Because I got him on my show very the, 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 that very day, I think. 
because he'd been this great advocate of Brexit, he suddenly decided to change his mind. Yeah. And he went, I've now looked at it all and I've decided it's so it's ridiculous and so difficult. Yeah. Theresa May can't do it. I don't believe anyone could do it. Yeah. So now I'm a Remainer. Yeah. And you just kind of go, what? What? Yeah. But, How come? Well, I mean, I, I wasn't quite aware of that. But yeah. I've now changed my mind in the last 15 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> so now you like Peter Oval, right? Yeah, sign him up to the new European immediately. I don't think you've been able to afford him, by the way, because he's got all these kids boarding school Yeah, I know. I'm not paying for my... But here's the other thing, right? Adam Bolton writes this ridiculous opinion piece, which appears on the, the Sky um, uh, app, yeah. in which he, his, his, his sort of uh, reputation is staked on the fact that Peter Oborn must be trusted because he's married to somebody who's involved with the Church of England. Oh. So in some way, this cleric, I think, I don't know if his wife's actually a cleric right. or, a, or a vicar or something like yeah. that, but apparently because she's involved with the church. He's beyond reproach. He's beyond reproach. It's the biggest load of old cobbles I've ever heard. I mean, look at old Archbishop Welby over the weekend sticking yeah. his nose in yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, whenever I see people from religious organisations, and I know that the Church of England is about as kind of far removed from religion as you can get <laughs> yeah. for religious people. You Property. Know. Nevertheless, Firm. they're still trying to convince you while while yeah. they're telling you not to use terrible language and not to be nasty to one another. They're still yeah. trying to convince you that there's a bloke in the sky <laughs> who made everything and who's looking after you <laughs> and looking out for you, you and know. is waiting at fucking heaven's gates to yeah. welcome you when you die. So the guy on Thought for, Thought for Today, which I listened to, mm. well, actually, I switched the radio off most mornings right. if, I, if I'm near the button, right? Yeah. Because I can't bear the six or seven minutes of sanctimonious yeah. twaddle from right. these people. Well, it's your radio format. It's all the fucking day. Well, but, it's, but this twaddle. one just like it hits new levels. So yeah. ten to eight, and now it's time for thought for the day. And right. some arse comes on, right. and, and, <laughs> and then says a load of obsequious, yeah. obvious shit. Right. So the other day it was about the thirty-nine uh, lorry oh, dr- yes. uh, Chinese yep. Vietnamese people in right. the in the lorry, and this person said, you know, effectively he was saying God works in mysterious ways. What he was saying was. If this makes us think, if these 39 anonymous people, next time you go to get your nails done in a Vietnamese Mm. nail bar and you ask that person what's their life about and who are they and you actually make a connection with them, maybe it's worthwhile. You lost the plot. That's like these missionaries who go to uh, South America and tell the people that, you know, it's wrong to use contraception. You have as many kids as you like because they're from the Catholic Church and actually God doesn't want you to do that. My mate, John Sinclair, who's a carpet fitter Mm. in uh, Liverpool and now owns bars called Peaky Blinders in South Oh, you tell us about this guy. Brilliant, brilliant bloke. Anyway, John once went to Jamaica on holiday. I've never forgotten this. And he's right. walking down this beach and there's like a chapel on mm. this, sort of off this beach right. on a Sunday. And the congregation is in full swing right. in this chapel of, of black uh, natives, mm. native Jamaicans yeah. in this chapel. And he tunes into the sermon. This guy's bellowing this sermon. Right. And this guy's saying, if God didn't want you to be poor, do you think you yeah. would be poor? Yeah. No. No, God wants this for yeah, yeah. you, poverty. Talk about a, subjugation. Oh, mate, honestly. And complete and propaganda. Yeah. And it's just terrible. Well, that... I left, I mean, I was brought up as a Catholic. Right? My parents yeah, me were too. both, um, my dad was Protestant, Church of Scotland. Yeah. He had a similar experience to me. He said that he stopped believing in God when the, the Church of Scotland gates fell on him when he was about five. <laughs> cut his head. He thought, right, that's it for me. Not doing this shit anymore. He used to cut, I, because my mother was Catholic, um, they literally moved out of Scotland to get married because yeah. it was considered a mixed marriage. You know, yeah, and there course, were people yeah. throwing bricks at you, you know, in the street. Incredible. So, uh, but she wanted me to be raised a Catholic, so I went to Catholic school. 
became an altar boy, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and I kind of lost the faith when I was with the priest when we used to do weddings on a Saturday because it was Hampstead. Yeah. We used to get all these um, really rich Americans coming to get married there. Yeah. And I used to make a fortune. I'd stand at the back <laughs> as they were all filing out and they'd all be handing me Can envelopes. Tips? You know, I'd get about 30 <laughs> quid a day on a Saturday, which I know was a lot of money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, this tramp suddenly appeared out of nowhere and the priest basically told him to piss off. And didn't give him anything, didn't give right. him any food, didn't ask him into the rectory, didn't offer him right. any kind of sustenance, just said piss off. Good. Literally God. in those words. Well, and honestly. I just thought, what the so, fuck? I mean, you spent the entire sermon yeah. talking about looking after the poor Mate, and being nice to people. And you've just told this homeless guy to bugger off. Have you ever seen a film called, it's called In the Steps of the Fisherman? It's no. an old, it must be about early 70s and it's got okay. Anthony Quinn in it. Oh yeah. Anthony Quinn. Anything with Anthony Quinn in old world watch. Well mate, this, it's a brilliant film. Yeah. It's a long, long sort of saga. But Anthony Quinn plays effectively a sort of John Paul II type character. Mm. He's a... Uh, a priest who's or a bishop that's right. been incarcerated in the Soviet Union right. and then is released mm. and then is voted in as Pope. Right. And he becomes this Pope and he basically says, you know, we're going to change the whole church and, and all this business. In the meantime, the Cold War is raging right. between Russia, China and America. Yeah. And the Pope is there to sort of lobby the message. He's the bridge between yeah. America and the Chinese. And he goes to the Chinese at the end of the... I shouldn't spoil the film, but he goes to the end of the Chinese and he basically does what any, I think, good Christian mm. would say, why doesn't this happen? Right. Which is, he says, I'm going to give it all away. Everything. Right. The Michelangelo's, yes. the Sistine Chapels, the right. Raphael's, right. we'll sell St. Mm. Peter's. Right. Every gold candlestick we've right. got, we'll sell it and we'll right. give the money to the poor. Yeah. And you sort of think... Why is that just not the standard yeah, case? Exactly. Why the Church of England is one of the biggest landowners yeah. in Britain. Why? Right? How can they justify they to all de- that wealth? They had to de-invest themselves of all these horrible companies that made, that's, yeah. that made arms yeah. and that, that sold tobacco to the third world. Mate, I mean, what are they doing? Honestly, it really troubles me. Because, mm. well, you know, I, I go to church... Uh, I haven't been for a few weeks, but... Go, you, would you normally be a church Yeah, goer? because my kids go to the local church... Mm-hmm. Um, well, every I'll, Sunday... Uh, the local church, sorry, I meant the local Catholic school oh, at the right, top okay, of the road. Right. So, and part of the deal is, is that you bring them up Catholic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 so they're all baptized. Then. So they're all baptized. Yeah. All, you know, they'll all get confirmed, right. and then it's then it's up to them. You know what they want to do. Yeah. But you know, the idea that there's there's a building in the middle of Highbury. Mm. Even just take this example. That land must be worth four, five million yeah, easy. quid. Easy. And there's homeless people yeah. living down the bottom of Blackstock Road, mm. and. How can we? How can anybody preach about looking after the poor mm. when there's so much conspicuous yeah. wealth built into yeah. that institution? No, I agree, and I think that's always the difficulty when people like Welby, who thinks of himself as no end of a fucking intellectual, because yeah. he was once on the BP board, right. you know, thinks that <laughs> well, I wasn't always a priest. You know, I used to be in charge of an oil company. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, that's fine then. Um, <laughs> you know, why should we listen to him any more than we should listen to anybody else? Yeah. God Absolutely didn't. I noticed God problems. didn't stop that BP explosion in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, maybe he meant it. For a reason, you yeah. know, so that people yeah. would call people it, would reconnect, you know, re- the re- so they, because you know it's now called Beyond Petroleum VP. Yeah. It's not actually called British Petroleum. Oh, is it? And people were very upset, in fact, with Barack Obama because when he was president, when that thing blew up, that's a great yeah. film, by the way. Yeah, uh, what's it called? Uh, something Horizon, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I'm seeing. Yeah, there's a movie, about there's the a movie thing? about the BP thing right, blowing right, up. Right. Really good. Right. Um, I nearly went Extinction Horizon now because almost everything begins with the word Extinction. Yeah. <laughs> extinction Rebellion. I mean, I've got all sorts of things going on in my head. Um, Deep Water Horizon. I Deep think Water Horizon, yeah. yeah, I have heard of that. And uh, 
he kept calling it British Petroleum. Right. And everyone in America's gone, those goddamn Brits. And it's like, well, hang on, it's not British anymore. They sold yeah. the company. It's now called Beyond Petroleum, but they right. wanted to keep BP yeah. as the as the you know, logo because it's a great logo. Yeah. But, you know, talking of uh, the Pope, I saw a story last week and thought you'd laugh. You'd, you'd laugh. And it wasn't obviously the DUP. It's not their thing. <laughs> but some delegation of politicians went to the Vatican to ask the Pope to pray for Brexit. Pray for Brexit. <laughs> This is where it's got hashtag, to now. Hashtag pray for Brexit. Pray for Brexit. Oh I mean, Jesus Christ almighty. Speaking of which, we have to mention the situation currently. As we sit here, yeah. uh, there are two, yeah. count them, uh, possibilities of an election yeah. coming up. One, which is Boris's plan, uh, and the second one, which is bizarrely the SDP, SNP yeah. and the Lib Dems, yeah. who also now want an election. I can't get my head I don't head think we're going to get either one. Well... We'll know, won't we, by tomorrow? Yeah, we probably. should. So by the time this comes out, it's probably the answer has been yeah. forthcoming. But the the Boris thing, obviously. Well, we say that, but how, how many times do we now say by tomorrow yeah. we'll know this? Know. And then by tomorrow, nothing's happened. Did you see the private eye cover? Yeah. The, the week before, what, yeah. this week, blah, blah, blah. But, but I can only conclude that this is the Liberal Democrats being as opportunistic as possible because yeah. they know that Labour's. At rock bottom right now. It seems to me that it's the 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 Liberal Democrats move to get mm. a general election is all about the weakness of the Labour Party. Well, it's also all about the stopping of Brexit because we're actually not far away from it. If yeah. we don't have an election, there will be enough time to discuss and scrutinise, uh, you know, the, the withdrawal bill, which is yeah. what they keep saying they want time for. If there's an election call, there won't be. Right. So then they can say, oh, well, we can't possibly scrutinise the bill. Right. So I'll have to go into an election period and wait until... Or so to make another crunch deadline. So, yeah. for, right. so, so then, the, and then they'll say, when we come out of the election, even yeah. though the, 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 the Tories have got a, a bigger majority than they've got now, yeah. they can still say, well, we still haven't discussed the deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's all about, for them, just making it go further and further away, I think. I mean, they may sweep up if there was a general election. They might do. I mean, there's lots of people who don't know who to vote for now. Lots of Labour supporters. Yeah, but they're not going to vote for the Lib Dems. Oh, most Labour, I think most Labour supporters, supporters who want to remain are going to vote Labour. Right? Yeah, because they see Labour as the party of Remain. Yeah. They're not going to vote for the Lib Dems. And if you don't want to remain, you're not going to vote for the Lib Dems. Yeah. So why would you? Yeah, I guess so. Their polling must be telling them something. Well, I think they think they're going to do better than they currently are. Yeah. And they look quite like... I mean, I saw somebody uh, in the Lib Dems sort of writing a piece somewhere recently saying if they could aim to get something like 40 to 50 MPs... Which is where they were before. Yeah, like, like, that would yeah. be enough yeah. to cause enough problems that they might be able to continually stop Brexit from happening. Well, then they become, again, a party that can be king. Well, you know. if they get together with the uh, S- SNP, yeah. as they have done for this, um, and technically they pick up back to, say, around 50. Yeah. You know, you could be looking at 100 MPs yeah, for Remain yeah. as a block. And then you might get and a Scottish independence and referendum. That's a, and that's a proper block. Yeah, yeah. I had an SNP guy on and I said to him, because I was asked to ask him this by one of the listeners, if uh, the Scottish uh, got another referendum and they got um, and, they vote, and, they, and the, the Scots voted to leave, would they leave the UK without a deal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very different uh, kettle yeah. of fish. Oh, is it? Oh, right, yeah. okay. So yeah. you wouldn't leave the UK without... A yeah. deal, um, but you would allow Britain to leave yeah. with a deal. Well, presumably, if they well, I mean, presumably, if they manage to box off the European Union, saying you can come straight back in. Yeah, but they won't. They won't Which, do that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's yeah. fantasy land. Yeah, and also, I'm not even sure. That, I don't think uh, they'd vote for it. I'm not even sure they'd win a, a second no, referendum no, no, no. anyway well, because I, the they, problem, make, they make a good case for it, and they yeah. sound as though they know yeah. what they're talking about. But I get a lot of. 
anecdotal information for people in Scotland who say, we don't want to leave. Well, my in-laws are up there and yeah. they're terrified of the idea mm. of leaving, you know, because they see it as we see, as I see Brexit, yeah. to be honest, which is like a load of kind the of... The SNP have also got this massive train coming through the light at the end of the tunnel, which is the Alex Salmon court case yeah. in January. Is that January, is it? Apparently so. God. Um, and that could be quite damaging for them. Yeah, definitely. You know, it certainly sounds so like... So maybe they don't, they don't want to go too close to that. Yeah. Well, they certainly don't want to have an election after that. Yeah. Because they could have real problems. By the way, I watched some of that um, TV program, you know, the Herald about the Glasgow oh, yeah. Herald. Yeah, yeah it was I quite mean, good. It was all right. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't terribly no. sort of, shall we say, uh, dynamic. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. If I mean, if people watched that, I mean, if we found it a bit boring, imagine yeah. what other people. Are yeah, but I mean, if if you sort of contrast the Herald uh, two thousand and nineteen with, say, the Daily Mirror yeah. nineteen ninety nine, yeah. uh, with Piers Morgan rampaging yeah. around with money coming right. in. From all sorts with, I mean, huge mm. talent and huge budgets and any anything goes. I mean, that was that would have been worth a fly on the oh, wall. Yeah. My God, but you could never let the cameras no, in. Could you? you couldn't. No, I'll tell the, you what. Paul Henderson told a great story in his speech, and he went harking back as he turned out that he was Tim Miles was also there, oh, and great. he and Tim Miles had been up against each other. One of them worked for Fleet Street News Service, yeah. and the other one worked for I think it was London News Service or something like that. Yeah. And these were the guys who used to just supply all the news to the papers yeah. before they sent their own guys out. But he was talking about when he went for the mail and the case of, I can't remember the guy's name, but remember the director of public prosecutions who was done for curb crawling yes. around the back of King's yeah, Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a terrible story. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was sent out, dispatched out to sort of, you know, get to the bottom of what had happened, find the hooker and the whole thing, right? So he said, yes, it was great. So we found the hooker, you know, paid us some money, squired her away to some hotel or other, you know, did the story of what happened, how, you know, this posh bloke pulled yeah. over, pulled his window down, all the yeah. dirty stuff that the Daily Mail didn't want to know about, but asked about anyway. And uh, <laughs> so it was all going fine until about half past ten at night, gets the call from the news desk at the mail, saying, the fucking son have got a hooker as well, but it's, but not- it's a different <laughs> hooker. <laughs> and he's like, well, they've got, got the right one. They've got the hooker. Of course, they were having the same yeah. conversation as the yeah. son. And in the end, um, he was sent off to prove that this was the right hooker. Yeah. Um, How do you prove that? Well, apparently one of the ways of proving it was to um, find out whether or not she was a man. Oh. Because there was some suggestion um, from the piece in the sun right. that there was another hooker who was claiming to be um, the hooker, but in fact wasn't. Ah. And was in fact actually a bloke. Right. And so in order to disprove that, they, and he said, I'm not doing that. Yeah. He said, no chance, I'm not getting so it. So they sent a female reporter... Right. With him to the hotel room to inspect her to inspect whether or not yeah, she was yeah. in fact you know as God had made her. God, what a fine profession! Um, and they bas- and they basically <laughs> agreed at the end of the night that it didn't matter which yeah. one was the real hooker because the son had theirs and the yeah. male had theirs. Do you know what? And let the readers make up their minds. Do you know what? Well, you know when they hand out Pulitzer prizes yeah. for all these investigative <laughs> journalists, right? And, and and they never give it for this kind of stuff. It well, makes me the sick. reason the reason we were all falling about laughing was one, you could never do that now. Yeah. Two, can you imagine telling a class of sort of you know millennial journalism students? Yeah. Actually, it doesn't matter if, if it's the real hooker or not because no. you know the story is more important yeah. than actually the facts. Yeah. Just incredible. Just, just really. go with the flow. I remember once, I meant to mention this earlier when you were talking about embellishing quotes mm. from Peter O'Bourne, but I, remember, I can't remember what the story was, but it was 
It might have been that time Ali G, um, or, or the fe- it wasn't Ali G, it was the other one who got Steve Martin on a red carpet. Do you remember the comedian? Yes, I do. And, and, yeah. and, uh, and in front of the world's press, this guy went, Steve, Steve, question from the BBC. Yeah. And, and he sticks the mic in Steve Martin's face. Yeah. And he says, Steve, when did you stop being funny? And, St- and Steve Martin just looks at him right. and shakes his head and goes, oh my God, it's the BBC are asking me this? You know, right. walks off. So it became this story about Steve Martin being... In the in, you know depression. Yeah, yeah, I remember Richard Wallace. It is true sh- that he stopped being funny. Right? Yeah, no, he did at this yeah. point. Richard Wallace, who was the showbiz editor at the time, yeah. filed this story. Yeah. And Piers came out of his office and he'd read the story and he said to Wallace, he said, "Wallace, come down here. See, try and get a quote from Steve Martin, obviously, yeah. right?" Yeah. And Wallace said, "Yeah, whatever, boss." And then wandered back to the showbiz desk yeah. and I turned to my opposite number and I said, as if he's going to be able to get a quote from Steve Martin. By the time. He had sat down yeah. and opened up his laptop. A quote, <laughs> pinged, a quote from Steve Martin pinged in in my email. Right. Steve Martin last night said, right. "Utter bollocks." Right. You know, but I mean, the worst. You ran it. I we did. Yeah, yeah. we did. There that's you it, go. That's entertainment. And that's the thing. Yeah. Because in that in that kind of atmosphere, yeah, that's I think where it all started to go wrong. Because I think that's right. where you know certain. If you drop a certain standard over there, I remember having a similar kind. Now this may surprise you. I had a similar conversation with a guy called Terry Manners, who used to be the night yeah. editor of the Express, when yeah. I first came back from America, and I was a, a reporter, basically, and I quickly became the kind of guy they wanted to write the splash all the time, because yeah. you know I was quite quick at it, because I'd come from running my own place in New York. And um, so I filed this story, and um, I saw Terry Manners walking to the, new, the night news editor and saying, having a conversation with him. He walks over to me and says, well, can you just write in this paragraph? And I went, no. I'm not writing in a paragraph. Why would I write in a paragraph? It's not yeah. true. Yeah. Well, Terry wants it, you know. Um, he's the night editor. You, you've got to do it. I said, no. Yeah. Tell him to get one of the subs to write it. I said, yeah. I'm not fucking writing it. Yeah, good for you. So the next thing, Terry Manners comes over. He was a bit of an Essex boy. Yeah. You know, a bit sort of a lardy kind yeah, of... Uh, wired, yeah. Wired, heavy drinking, you know, possibly entertaining other substances as well. Sort of <laughs> like, and starts shouting at me. Yeah. You're fucking telling me you're not going to do what you're fucking told. I said, yeah. you're asking me to invent a quote. I'm not fucking doing it. Yeah. If you want to invent a quote, you fucking invent it and you yeah. fucking write it in and then you can take my name off the fucking story while you're yeah. at it. And of course, people didn't talk to him like that because I didn't, yeah. I didn't know there was this kind of, you know, Maf- hierarchy. Mafia kind yeah. of hierarchy. I was just like, yeah. you go, fuck it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And he didn't really know what to do. And he sort of walked away and they never did write it in. I can't even remember what yeah. the story was. Really? But it, was it wasn't like I felt yeah. particularly virtuous. Yeah. I just wasn't going to be told just to do something I didn't want to do. Yeah. I was like, that's not how I operate. But, I mean, it is a fact. You're absolutely right, though. It is the sort of thin end of the wedge because we went through a long stage. And you still see it today where you see, uh, you know, a friend of the family or a source close to the story. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, uh, one bystander said, you know, dot, dot, dot. And it's a quote. And you can always spot them a mile away because Mm. it's the quote that completely and without any sort of variance, backs up the intro of the story. Right. You know, basically, it's somebody, invented person, yeah. repeating, oh, so and, and so was shocked. Unfortunately, you know? it didn't always used to be the case, because no. sometimes if you did, particularly in politics, there was a kind of code, it certainly was in America, um, where you would have a source close to the president, which was one of the aides to the president. Yeah. If it was uh, somebody familiar with the story, that was somebody further down the line. You know, they yeah. actually had a kind of specific this is reference what, this to is, various people. This is all swinging back to Peter O'Brien. I was about to say because that. Because this is where I have sympathy with him, yeah. which is when Dominic Cummings starts briefing mm. his his favourite journalists yeah. about this, that and the other, right. 
I don't mind if somebody writes what he says. No. But what I do mind is if he says, you know, a senior member of government says mm. dot, dot, dot. Right. They, if he said Dominic Cummins last night right. said dot, dot, dot. But then all of these fine, briefings, you know, as you know, are off the record. Off the record. Right? And the reason they're off the record is because they, the, the government doesn't want to have to be made to stand by it. Yeah. Although well, Boris Johnson shit. is slightly changing that because yeah. lots of people are taking the piss out of him going, oh, yeah. I thought you said it was going to be do or die. Yeah. I thought it was going to be make or break, come what may, yeah. I'm going to die in a ditch. I think it's slightly disingenuous to say Boris shouldn't have said that because yeah. of course he's going to say that. He's not going to say anything else yeah. because he's also going to say now, well, the reason I couldn't do it was because these wankers over here stopped me yeah. from doing it. But, but, it but he does look a bit dark. But anyway, I mean... Well, when he, get, when he gets to the point <laughs> where Nigel Farage is asking him to apologise for saying something that didn't work out, yeah, it starts to look a bit it good does. for Boris, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I suppose so. You know? I, we, we, when I was growing up, my mum and dad, we were very friendly with a guy called Anthony Bevins, Tony Bevins. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. Who was, Tony was a uh, political editor of the Times. Yeah. And then he went very to well be respected guy. very great, a brilliant, brilliant guy. Mm. Didn't give a damn for anybody, right? right? Used Which to, is how it should be. Absolutely. Couldn't give a toss yeah. for anybody. He's, de- he's dead now, unfortunately. Mm. But I remember once he, uh, he he asked Margaret Thatcher that brilliant question, which was, uh, Mrs. Thatcher, if you're if you're so proud of the NHS, why don't you use it from time to time? <laughs> right. Anyway, so he had those kind yeah. of like really bolshy questions. Yeah. But Tony, when he got made uh, political editor of the Independent, when that paper launched, yeah. he decided we're not going to take part in the lobby anymore. Mm. I won't be part of that clique of journalists yeah. that get the special access. Mm. And it sounds like a brilliant kind of principled stand. Yeah. But inevitably, but work. what happened was he used to have to hang around outside yeah. and ask them, yeah, yeah. What, what's just you can't, been said? I mean, you have to be part of the machine yeah. in yeah. order to make... Um, your position yeah. in that machine no, because you are part of the machine yeah. and I was interested in, in again only knowing what Oborn's supposed to have said without actually seeing him say it that he was moaning that you shouldn't just report what members of the government are saying you should like investigate it yes. to see if it's true I'm not sure he's right about that because yeah. if, if you know for example I don't know the Secretary of State for Defence gives you an off the record briefing you know I think you've, you're absolutely duty bound to report. Well, it, shouldn't you? you shouldn't you say, okay, this is what the Secretary of Defence said last night. However, from what we can find, that's mm. total bollocks. You know. Well, no, because rather than just not, presenting no. it as well, two no, because sides, because if you're a reporter, yeah. I think you have to report. You yeah. don't. Have, you can't really give your view of it. I mean, no, I but if there's that. a fact, this is the trouble. People talk about stick to the facts, right? Yeah, but yeah. if you think about it, facts are very few and far between. Mm. And what actually, what you see is. 95% of everything you see out there is an, is yeah. an, an analysis well, I, well, I of... Get, I get this all the time. I mean, yeah. every single opportunity I have to interview a, a politician inevitably has me having to question them much yeah. more carefully and just say, hang on a minute, I'm not having you say that. Like when yeah. people come out and say, well, of course, all the evidence now shows uh, that a no-deal Brexit would be very damaging to the economy. Sorry, that's not true. Yeah. If you also say no-deal Brexit will be not damaging at all to the economy, you have to say, well, that's not true either. Yeah. But, what you know, I had one today. Pigs in blankets are apparently going to be at risk because there's not enough Europeans to wrap the sausages <laughs> with bacon. I had the guy on from the, from the wholesale meat industry. I said, yeah. you have, is this April Fool? I said, yeah. are you having a laugh? I said, do you know what? Do you know what I do sometimes? I buy some sausages. You roll your own. And I buy some bacon and I roll my own. You know... <laughs> And also, I said, it says here that you're a £7 billion business. You employ 75,000 people. Yeah. And you've been working on the pigs and blankets scenario since <laughs> August. Are you asking me to seriously believe that nobody will be able to afford that's to buy great. them? And he went, actually, no, we don't think there's going to be a shortage. No. I said, well, that's what you told the BBC. Yeah, yeah. And they fucking ran it. Yeah. Right? How appalling. How ridiculous is that? But this is where... 
I mean, the, tr- the horrible, horrible truth is that people hear that, right? Mm. And again, I don't mean to be condescending, mm. but, you know, why should people give it any more thought than they do? They hear it on the news, yeah. and then that night in the pub, they say, gee, we're not going to be able to have yeah. pigs in blankets now. Well, Brussels has yeah. stopped it. Yeah, yeah. Banned it. Well, no, well, somebody tweeted me today and said, you know what we're going to happen tomorrow? We're going to have, a, a, there's going to be a run on pigs in blankets. Yes. And there'll be a shortage of them anyway. <laughs> you won't be able to get them because this idiot has told everyone you won't be able to get any. Yeah. What is going on? Uh, the world's gone mad. The world has gone mad, and this has been the Thought Police. In the midst of all of the whole Brexit scenario, yeah. right, he suddenly flipped his, his, his opinion and he wrote a piece for that same outfit, because I got him on my show very, the, 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 that very day, I think because he'd been this great advocate of Brexit, he suddenly decided to change his mind. Yeah. And he went, I've now looked at it all and I've decided it's, it's so bollocks. ridiculous and so difficult. Yeah. Theresa May can't do it. I don't believe anyone could do it. Yeah. So now I'm a Remainer. Yeah. And you just kind of go, what? What? Yeah. But, no, come. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't quite aware of that, but yeah. I've now changed my mind in the last 15 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> so now you like Peter Oval, right? Yeah, sign him up to the new European immediately. <laughs> Anyway, this tramp suddenly appeared out of nowhere, and the priest basically told him to piss off, and didn't give him anything, didn't give right. him any food, didn't ask him into the rectory, didn't offer him right. any kind of sustenance, just said piss off, Good literally God. in those words, oh, and honestly. I just thought, what the fuck, I mean you spent the entire sermon yeah. talking about looking after the poor, Mate, and being nice to people, and you just told this homeless guy to bugger off. The next thing Terry Manners comes over, he was a bit of an Essex boy. Yeah. You know, a bit sort of a lardy kind yeah, of uh, wired, yeah. wired, heavy drinking, you know, possibly entertaining other substances as well, sort of <laughs> bloke. And starts shouting at me. Yeah. You're fucking telling me you're not going to do what you're fucking told. I said, yeah. You're asking me to invent a quote. I'm not fucking doing it. Yeah. If you want to invent a quote, you fucking invent it and you yeah. fucking write it in and then you can take my name off a fucking story while you're yeah. at it. <laughs> and of course, people didn't talk to him like that because I didn't, yeah. I didn't know there was this kind of, you know, Maf- my rough. Mafia kind yeah. of. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, yeah. go fuck yourself, I'm not doing it. Yeah. God knows what it what it must be like if you've got an ordinary job yeah. out in the country, you know, oh, where, know. where this isn't part of your job no. to think about it. Well, exactly right. 